ladies and gentlemen, this is Tad Stones of the Disney Afternoon, and I love the great, big, beautiful tomorrow. No, wait, that's not the name of it. Beautiful podcast. Did I get that right? I've never been to Disneyland, but I have been to Disneyland. Affirmative. That was definitely an e-ticket. I can't believe all the new gadgets they've got now. For a while, we didn't even have a house phone. Not to mention laser discs, high-def TV. You are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... It's almost like we're speaking a different language. Like, for example, you know, we one time we asked him, hey, can you give us just some weird things that happen in outer space that might inspire us? He said, well, let me think about it. He said, oh, you know, you know, it's possible that on a planet, we haven't found one, but it's possible that there could be a planet with the atmospheric conditions such that it would rain diamonds. And all the writers were like, that's awesome. Like, they a story like, oh, that's a perfect story. It's like, and he's like, what do you mean? Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. Welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. I am Justin Connors. I'm always going to just lead off with a, hey, I'm Justin, self-promotion. <laughs> and I'm here with... Justin, too. <laughs> Justin. Oh, I'm We're Jamie. Both Justin. How you doing? <laughs> and what's going on, Jamie? How you well, doing? Not much. Not much. <laughs> How about you? What's going on? You know what? I've been having a crazy back to school and that has nothing to do with Disney, but I'm sure everyone can relate as listening that has kids. Yeah, no, and, I, I relate, definitely. <laughs> it is and, pretty crazy. And today on the podcast, we are talking to... We're talking to Sasha Palladino, who um, currently is the creator and executive producer of Miles from Tomorrowland on Disney Junior. Um, but he has a uh, long history um, in television. He's worked on a number of, uh, of animated shows, a lot of them um, aimed at the preschool market. So he's worked on uh, shows like Wonder Pets. Uh, he created Nihao Kailan. Um, uh, over on Disney Junior, he's done. Uh, he's worked on my, Doc McStuffins, Henry Hugglemonster, um, but most recently and uh, for the past five years, he's been working and developing and creating um, Miles from Tomorrowland, and which is now in its second season. And so we're just thrilled to have him. And I gotta say, we were talking about this before. We both have watched a, f- a bunch of episodes for research, and. I was really impressed with the show and I'm not just saying that because we're Disney and you know, we, you know, you know us, we're not, we're not, we don't give Disney a pass because they're Disney. It's actually very intelligent and it's creative and a smart show. Yeah. It's one of those shows that, you know, you really don't mind your kids watching because it has such a strong educational focus, but it's, it's also a show that I don't mind watching, you know I mean? It's, there are a lot of shows out there and some of them, yes, are Disney shows that are just, they're just painful to watch um, because they, they target the lowest common denominator of the preschool market. They, they assume that preschoolers are dumb, you know, and they just give them, you know, shiny colors and quick edits. Um, and, but there are a lot of shows that, you know, don't, don't make that assumption and give a lot of credit to preschool kids because, and Justin, you and I are actually just talking about this about our own kids, that they know a lot more than they let on. Um, And they do tend to surprise you. So a show like Miles that has a strong educational focus, has a strong scientific focus, 
but doesn't really pull a whole lot of punches, you know, doesn't, isn't afraid to use the big words, isn't afraid to use the scientific terminology and teach kids a lesson that they probably wouldn't get in science class until maybe second or third grade. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. So we're going to go and we're going to interview Sasha Palladino right now. Thank you so much, um, Sasha, for being here today. This is fantastic. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys. Yeah, this is great. Um, it's before we really dive into it. I just want to say that it's it's a pleasure to see a show like Miles from Tomorrowland um, because it sort of it it breaks out of the mold that most people think of when they think of Disney Junior shows. Um, and so it's a uh, it's a smart show um, that uh, I don't mind my kids watching. You know, putting them in front of that, and it's it's not mindless. Which is <laughs> that's great. That means a lot to me. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, we definitely want kids to enjoy it and if parents can enjoy it too that's a total bonus um and i'm glad that you don't mind it that's probably the highest <laughs> praise we can get. <laughs> so thanks well me, me and jamie were actually t- or jamie and i were talking about it right before we called you and that i was telling him that's the first thing i noticed is it seems it seems like it's a lot more intelligent than most uh shows geared at the same age age group which i really like because sometimes it's mind-numbing sitting there watching some of the shows <laughs> with your kids right so yeah, yeah, more praise. You know, I've, I've worked on shows for younger kids and old, and slightly older kids, and you know, it, I think it really depends on what what your what your focus is. Some ki- some shows are so squarely targeted at kids, young kids especially, that they almost don't work for a parent wavelength for an adult. You know, they're just not for adults. And um, I've worked on shows like that, and that they, they can be great. But but we really wanted this show to connect with families. It's about a family and we wanted families to enjoy watching it together. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that that's working out. Yeah. Well that, I mean, you, how do I say this without sounding a little bit weird? You're kind of a big deal in my house. <laughs> it, I mean, my kids don't really know your name, but two of their earliest favorite shows were Wonder Pets and Nihau Kailan. Oh, awesome. Um, and those were like, you know, I'm sure, you know, you have kids kids go through these phases where they're just obsessed about one thing and it could last a week, it could last a month, but then they, then they move on to something else. And it's just obsession after obsession. Um, and for my daughter, when she was preschool age, um, she's six now, but wonder pets and Kylan were her obsession, probably two of her earliest obsessions. (laughs) That's great. Oh, it's great to hear that. I mean, yeah, I guess in a way I am in the obsession business, uh, (laughs) making things hopefully that, you know, will engage kids in, in, in a deep way, you know, entertain them, but also make them think. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's great when kids get really into a show because hopefully that translates to them taking it into their own lives and not just sitting there and being passive watchers, but, you know, viewers, but, but actually playing, you know, the characters of the show and, and, uh, and engaging with it in a more thoughtful way than, than just, just zoning out and watching, you know? Absolutely. I mean, and from your perspective, I mean, how different is it to work on a show like Miles with a strong scientific and educational focus than it is working on something like, you know, Kylan or Doc McStuffins or Henry Hugglemonster or something that has an educational value, but isn't, you know, that's not its absolute focus. Yeah, well, you know, every show I've worked on, every preschool show I've worked on has had some curriculum, whether like, for example, um, Wonder Pets, it's teamwork, Nihao Kailan, it's uh, social emotional issues, you know, um, for Henry Huggle Monster, it's also emotions and, and dealing with being part of a family. And so for Miles, it's, it's science is, is, is our curriculum, but it's actually in a way the least curriculum driven show I've done because really the emphasis, and this is partly 
because it's Disney, the emphasis is on telling good stories. It's about storytelling above all. It's about telling engaging stories that, that draw the kids in. And so the science is really just kind of a bonus. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it's a big part of the show, but it, it didn't start out like, oh, I wanted to, I want to make a show that teaches kids science. I, I wanted to, to do a show that sort of combined all of these things I love, science fiction and, and the idea of a family being on an adventure together. Um, and the science grew naturally out of that. And I think that's the best way for a show to develop really organically. So the science stuff, it, it can happen in di different ways. Like sometimes we'll, we'll come up with, with a story and then figure out how to add that science piece. Sometimes we'll find this amazing science fact um, and then we'll build a story from that. And we have a, an amazing consultant who's a, a rocket scientist at NASA who looks at every script and sometimes we'll have brainstorms with him just to come up with ideas. It's really interesting because he approaches things from such a scientific way that when he sits down with the writers, it's almost like we're speaking a different language. Like, for example, you know, we, one time we asked him, hey, can you give us just some weird things that happen in outer space that might inspire us? He said, well, let me think about it. He said, oh, you know, you know, it's possible that on a planet, we haven't found one, but it's possible that there could be a planet with the atmospheric conditions such that it would rain diamonds. And all the writers were like, that's awesome. Like, think of a story like, oh, that's a perfect story. There's like, and he's like, what do you mean? What, what do you mean? Why are you so excited? It's like, it's like a story. It just writes itself. There's a villain and he has to go, he wants to get the diamonds and they're raining and it's so cool. cool. It's like, oh, okay. You know, like he just like, it's like this right brain and left brain thing. Um, but that's what's so fun about it for me is because is we get to combine, like find this fun balance between the art and the science. Well, I mean, you mentioned the, the scientific consultant. So how much research really goes into each episode? That's a great question. We do a lot of research on our own, just trying to keep up to date with things. For example, the recent Pluto flyby was a big right. deal for us, and and um, and we're doing a Pluto episode that's coming up soon. And um, so so we're just trying to constantly be aware of what as much as possible. And and it's kind of funny because when I was a kid, I I was not very good at science. It was probably my <laughs> my least successful subject, even though I, I liked it. Um, but now as an adult, because I happen to make this show that is about outer space, I get to learn about all this science stuff that I really love and that I, I didn't, you know, I kind of wish I took more astronomy classes. <laughs> In a way, making Miles from Tomorrowland is, has been an like, a, like a science education for me. And, and also what's great about it is I'll learn these science facts, and part of my job is to figure out how to make it really accessible and entertaining for kids. Um, and so I have to break it down and make it as simple as possible without over, overly simplifying it. But that's helpful for me because then I really learn these concepts yeah. as well. Yeah. So have you ever gotten through a story and the writers, you guys are all like, yeah, this is awesome. We nailed it. And then the consultant's like, uh, nope. Has <laughs> that ever happened to you guys? <laughs> you know, it has. And I mean, that, what's fun about our show is it really – we give ourselves the opportunity to get really insane and creative and imaginative and then have some science. So for example, there's certain things that our science consultant just doesn't like. <laughs> he does like there's in the very one of the very first episodes, Dad uh, Leo Miles's dad makes floating pancakes. He adds propulsion powder to the pancakes. It just was a fun image and he was just like no, <laughs> just like it's not scientific. Pancakes cannot float. If there's no gravity. There's no gravity. If there is gravity, there's gravity. And I was like, but it's a cartoon. And so it's this kind of give and take. And but he'll still bring it up. Uh, our, our our NASA consultant, like every time I put the floating pancakes in, it's like no floating pancakes, please. And I'm like, you just keep going funny. back to that well. Yeah, it's just it's just funny. And like you know, that's that's the decision. Those are like to us, you know, we know that kids at home aren't gonna. I don't think that's gonna ruin their 
science education to see floating pancakes, but it is going to be fun and fun and funny and silly. And But then again, like when we go to a real planet on the show, when we go to Mars, we're going to be true to the environment of Mars. We're not going to show any wrong information as much as possible. We're going to show that the gravity is one third of what it is on Earth and all the characters will move that way. So we try to keep ourselves honest. We do when we're on a real, you know, a, a real universe location, but we also give ourselves the latitude to go to weird and fictional places and then make up our own rules. So, uh, speaking of the floating pancakes, where did the idea, and I noticed this when I first watched the YouTube, like, or I, I was watching like different clips from the show, the robo ostrich, where, <laughs> where did he come from? <laughs> yeah, good question. So Miles's best friend is a robo ostrich named Merc. And I always wanted Miles to have a sidekick, like a best friend who, you know, went on adventures with him, kind of like, you know, a kid and their dog. And But I was I always loved the image from Star Wars of, of, of Luke riding on the Tauntaun mm-hmm. and that idea that you could, you know, have sort of like a like a cowboy, you know, riding the horse, the trusty horse. And um, so I was trying to think of what animal would make sense and also be able to provide comic relief. And when, when you start thinking about funny animals, ostrich is pretty <laughs> near the top much, of the list. Not yeah. get much funnier. Did you guys think of a funnier animal? I don't know. I, I really can't. And uh, <laughs> originally he was a real ostrich that the Tomorrowland Transit Authority sent up as a sort of like this test experiment to see what how an ostrich would behave in outer space. <laughs> But one of, of the things, yeah, you know, as they might. As they do. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we realized, though, that because we were trying to push the boundaries a bit of the kind of adventures that Miles could get into and make them a little more perilous and exciting, if he was a robot, it meant that he could protect Miles and Miles could get into some more, you know, <coughs> excuse me, some stickier situations and have Merc there as his protector. So it actually worked really well. And it fit with the whole theme of the show and Tomorrowland to have gadgets and robots be a part of this world. So you, um, one of the new episodes is, uh, the newest episodes is about Mars. And I know you also mentioned that you've got Pluto coming up, which are both somewhat timely in terms of what, <coughs> in terms of what um, is really happening in, in the current events. So, um, Beyond the episode that's coming up, do you think, are we going to, can we expect to see more about Mars now that, you know, manned missions are slowly becoming a reality? Yeah, well, it's really amazing. We got to visit SpaceX, which is Elon Musk's space right. company, and we got a tour, and that was really inspiring. And we learned that Elon Musk is planning to die on Mars, which is really interesting. He wants <laughs> a one-way ticket, and he has all sorts of plans, and they have, you know, there are many plans being made for Mars, or getting to Mars and going yeah. there, and um you know, I think we want to reflect that reality in our show. So we've sort of built this mythology of what the future would be after, you know, there are Mar- there are colonies on Mars and in, in, in hundreds of years, what might that look like? So you'll see in our Mars episode, there's um, some hints about that and about scientists doing things like, you know, we know that Mars is very cold. So in, in our episode, um, some scientists are trying to find a way to heat the planet so that it's an easier place for people to live on and um the timing is funny because the the martian the film of the martian is coming out yeah. right a couple of weeks after our episode which is totally by accident but uh it's a great book and um anyway so yeah mars is just sort of in in the consciousness right now and um just feels lucky that this episode's coming at this time and so yeah there are some other scientific um you know uh facts that we're going to be exploring. As you mentioned, the Pluto episode, we're trying to incorporate all the information we can that was just found out about Pluto into our designs for the show and for Pluto, um, things about craters that they didn't know before. And 
That's really exciting. We're doing an episode coming up uh, next year about a black hole, a very mysterious black hole, and we're using the latest images of what a black hole, we think a black hole would look like, which is uh, based on what Kip Thorne, who worked on Interstellar, mm -hmm. as sort of devises this, you know, not just a circle, but more like a circle with a line under it. And it's very iconic now, but it, you know, five years ago, that's not what everyone thought a black hole looked like. So we're trying to stay as much as possible on the cutting edge of, of research and science uh, today. That's awesome. And then presenting it for preschoolers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so hopefully they can teach their parents a thing or two. Yeah. I know you just recently screened that Mars episode at NASA at JPL um, for actual rocket scientists and their families. Uh, how was that received there? Oh, it was great. It was really fun. Um, we had our, our consultant, Randy Wesson, who's the doctor, um, Dr. Randy Wesson, who's our consultant on the show from NASA, sat next to me during the screening and he sort of gave a running commentary in my ear. He had seen the, <laughs> the, the show, he had read the script, helped us with the story, looked at designs, looked at animatics, but this was the first time he was seeing the final thing. And it was like, I was really nervous. So he was like, okay, you got that right. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. They pronounced Demos right. But you know, <laughs> one of the moons, we had steps with that <clears throat> throughout um so, okay you know the yep that looks like the right size for the volcano on mars but then there was one thing that was a little off valles marineris which is the biggest um canyon on mars is um the way we had it it was hard he pointed this out right in the middle of it. it's too late to change but for those of you watching at home our <laughs> one one error about the truth of mars um it sort of looks like a scar in the middle of the planet yeah. and we have it I think kind of um, on an angle, but if if you were looking at the planet cor correctly if, with the north and south poles in the right way, it actually should have been horizontal. So uh, man, I, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to slip that past my five-year-old. I know. <laughs> I apologize to any 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 preschool Mars experts who are offended by the placement of Valles Marineris on Mars. Just here on on your podcast today. But, I mean, but anyway, but it was really exciting because there was a guy there who works at NASA who's a Mars geologist. And so he knows a lot about the rocks of Mars and his nine-year-old is a big fan of the show. So it was really cool to, to, to talk to him. And, and he said, we got it right. He said, that's what we think it looks like. And that was just so gratifying to hear. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to get the science right on our show. And um, he, he gave it a big thumbs up. So that, that was that's all I could hope for. That's got to leave, like, I mean, as a writer and as a creator, that's got to leave you, like, in a, like, a cold sweat, though, right? <laughs> I mean, you're taking your oh, show, yeah. you're taking your show into, like, the belly of the beast. <laughs> exactly. In both yeah. respects, you got the rocket scientists and the kids. You know? Exactly, yeah, I know, there's no, you could not make up to harsher, <laughs> but uh, we, we did okay, yeah, and, and if the worst we did was, was a valley was at the wrong orientation, I think, I think we're okay. I think you've done okay, then, yeah. Yeah. So, so your show exists outside of Tomorrowland, the film, and the Disneyland slash Magic Kingdom lands. Do you think that'll ever cross over? Do you it's think you're going to go there? I, I mean, there there is a connection. It's more of a like a theme, you know, sort of the the spirit of Tomorrowland. I was really inspired by what Walt Disney said at the opening of Tomorrowland when when he opened that part of the park in the fifties. That like it represented this um, optimistic and hopeful vision of the future. And I think that's the thing that connects the park, the movie and the show is that the future can be this really positive place. You know, a lot of times in popular culture now, obviously not for kids, but older, older folks stuff, it, it, the future is not a nice place. <laughs> you know, it's not somewhere you want to be. There's apocalypse and, and problems that get, are getting worse. And I like the idea of 
putting forth a vision of the future that's really hopeful, and, and that was Walt Disney's original idea. So they all exist along that continuum, and that's what connects all the Tomorrowlands. I will say that there is a possibility of some something down the road. We'll see what happens. <laughs> that's awful mysterious. <laughs> yeah, you know, but we need a little mystery. You say, you say knowingly. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, one of the things that's really striking about the show, I mean, beyond the the content and the the scientific accuracy, is that you have a really impressive supporting cast. Um, I mean, you've got you've got names like Mark Hamill, George Takei, Bill Nye, Will Wheaton. That's a cast that I think most shows would probably kill for. Um, <laughs> well, I so, can't tell you what we did to get that. I was going to say, like, <laughs> what's your superpower? Like, how did that come about? <laughs> that's a great question, and I'm still asking myself the same question and kind of rubbing my eyes. I can't believe our luck. It's this whole thing has just been. It just all came together. You know, sometimes things click, and and this just clicked. We um we were just really lucky. I think partly because it's Disney, and everyone knows Disney, and it's such a trusted name in entertainment. Um, people just connected with the show. It's a simple story about a family in outer space, but, um, you know, we have a lot, we owe a lot to, to our sci-fi for, forebears and, uh, and the idea of, of getting someone who is in Star Trek and someone who is in Star Wars and, um, getting a little bit of that DNA in the show, you know, I think everyone, including, you know, Mark Hamill and George Takei and Will, it, it just connected with them. And, and, um, and I think everyone loves the idea of, 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 making you know space and science just exciting for kids you don't have to do much it's already exciting for kids just <laughs> yeah. you know look outside but um but i think we've heard about so many scientists and actors and artists who were inspired by the sci-fi shows they saw as kids and i think the idea of making a sci a sci-fi show for kids now makes people feel like they can be a part of inspiring the next generation to as cliche as it sounds to yeah. reach for the stars it's really true though yeah no absolutely I mean, I'm I'm just I'm curious. Um, do they all record at the same time, or do they come in separately? Because uh, that's got to no, be a killer cares. recording session. Yeah, no, we've never had George and Mark and <laughs> Bill Nye all at the same time. That would be a dream. It would be kind of mind blowing. I don't know if I could take it. Yeah, that might be a bit much. much. <laughs> yeah, no, they've all recorded separately. Um, yeah, we've also we also have Bill Nye who plays a, an alien uh, <clears throat> astrophysicist and. Um, <laughs> Anyway, it's not just, much of a stretch, really. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's you know it's just cool. It's it's great to 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 hear those voices that we recognize from these yeah. movies and TV shows of our youth and 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 feel like they're you know miles from Tomorrowland is part of that continuum. Sure, and that maybe someday our kids who are watching them are going to recognize them from miles before anything else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And if, if so, who, who knows, maybe it'll turn, right. Turn them on to, to great episodes of Star Trek. They wouldn't have watched otherwise. <laughs> and you can't knock that. No. So what else can we look forward to as season two continues? If you Well, yeah, we're getting into it. Um, we definitely are going to be meeting some more members of Miles's family. Um, we're going to be exploring new, uh, new planets that, um, that, you know, we didn't know were there. <laughs> um, and, uh, we're, we're, we're working on a few new things. Um, <clears throat> there's a chance that we might see what school might look like in outer space in the future, which I think would be a really engaging thing for kids, something they can relate to both as preschoolers and kindergartners and elementary school kids. Um, that's some of the fun of the show is like taking really relatable kid, topics and experiences and, and thinking about how we can twist them and and make a 
make have fun with them by putting them in outer space like like the floating pancakes you know yeah. <laughs> every kid has breakfast uh, but what what does it look like to have breakfast in outer space so we've been getting a lot of mileage and having a lot of fun with that and i think the next step of that is like all right kids know what it's like to be in a school environment what would that be like in outer space when your classmates are aliens you know yeah You'd have floating pancakes every day. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's all I'm thinking about now. Like, I really want floating pancakes. <laughs> well, good. I mean, the other thing I hope, my one of my dreams for the show is that people get inspired enough by the crazy gadgets and technology that we come up with that they actually invent it. Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe your kids will make floating pancakes one day. <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting because you say that and, and you know, it, a lot of people might write that off and be like, oh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a nice dream. But if you think about it, like talking about Star Trek back in the 60s, they had all these insane technology and gadgets that now half of those things really exist. Yeah. And they may not have existed in the current form if they didn't have, if, you know, the inventors didn't have Star Trek to look to for inspiration. Exactly. And I actually read that the, the first flip phone, I think it was the Motorola flip phone, was specifically designed based on a Star Trek communicator that yeah. flipped open. So, I mean, it's really true. That stuff and... You know, you see some of it. You guys are on video with me now on Skype on my wall. We have all these crazy gadgets and things that we come up with and designs. And and to think that maybe some someday someone will make one for real is yeah. it's kind of mind blowing. So I guess we have to be careful with what we <laughs> definitely. It's a huge weight on your shoulders now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're but inventing the future. Well, yeah, and I mean, just in general, making a show like this that you know is going to be on Disney and reach so many kids, it is a big responsibility. You know for real in terms of like the, the, the stories we're telling and, and the, the messages we're getting across and, and the ways characters treat each other and, and, you know, what we show a family dynamic to be, it's a real opportunity to show, you know, something really positive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, is there anything else that you've got in development aside from miles that you can talk about? Uh, miles no, 100%. Pretty much all miles, all my, all the time for me. Um, once in a while, I see my family, and that's. Good to see. But um, luckily, I have two. I have five-year-old sons, um, twins, who uh, are very inspiring for the show. They've uh, they've been a big part of its development. I actually pitched the show when they were three months old, and wow. then uh, through the development and and pilot and writing and animation process, it took. Um, five years. So when the show premiered, they were turning five, which was kind of crazy. So wow. they're, they've sort of grown up with Miles. Um, but they've had a lot of ideas that I've incorporated into the show. And um, for example, they were really into fire trucks when they were about three. And I said, oh, is there anything you want to see on Miles that you think would be fun? And they said, yeah, fire trucks and police cars in outer space. And I said, that's a great idea. And so the space guard, Miles' uh, Miles's uncle Joe, who's the captain of the space guard, which is the space police force, um, was born. And I have to thank my son for that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have so, one more I have one more question that's important. Sure. How often do you go to Toys R Us and take the toys out and be like, you know, walk around, <laughs> I made this show. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I haven't done that yet, but I, I have. I definitely have peeked in to see if, like, gosh, I hope someone was buying them. <laughs> um, it's also, yeah, it's crazy to see that stuff come to life, you know, um, outside of the show, and and it's so fun to see kids playing with the toys. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like I said before, you know, hopefully kids are engaging with the show, you know, on a level that's beyond just sitting there watching. And it, it's not just about buying toys. It's about like playing, you know, space explorer. It's about, you know. Um, you know, like going to the planetarium, any, anything that extends the the experience and the learning 
you know, outside of the, the TV room is, is, a, is just a huge positive. And, and, and that's one of the things I feel so lucky about this show. It's, it's really action adventure driven and, um, you know, hopefully, and we've been hearing that both boys and girls are, are liking it, which is great, but, you know, just hoping that it inspires kids to, 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 to do more and, and learn more about science and outer space. Success. I think I think job well done because I <laughs> think that's demonstrated success. If uh, my kids are any measure and uh, the other awesome. kids that they know who watch it also, so yeah, uh, absolutely. So glad to hear that. Job that well was, done. Thank you so much. I really really appreciate it. It means a lot. Thank you again so much for joining us today. Um, I know you got to get going. Um, we could talk much longer uh, about <laughs> miles, about you know, Kylan and Wonder Pets, which I, I you know. <laughs> I don't mean to bring them up again because I know that it's a pass for you. No, I'm very I, proud of I'm very proud of those shows. And that. you should be because I mean, you know, the first time <laughs> I saw them, I think my they were on Netflix or something, and my kids, my daughter at the time, turned it on. Like the first five seconds, I was like, "What? What is this?" And then I watched it with her, and I was like, "This is really good." Yeah. I, I mean, I started watching like it was it was one of those shows that I didn't mind sitting down, and I'd be like, "Let's That's watch awesome. Wonder Pets today." That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, so much thought and care goes into every script, every piece of art, every vocal performance, and and uh, it's important. It's an important audience, and they should be getting stuff that's as just as high quality as what adults are watching, you know, on on TV these days as well. I agree, one hundred percent. Good luck with season two, season Thanks, three, Jamie. season four, season um, five. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, that's it for this week's interview. And I think I am pretty convinced that Zoe is not the Wonder Pets fan. It's actually you. It was me. <laughs> we do. We have, they, they made, um, the same company that made all the Beanie Babies actually made like Beanie Baby versions of the Wonder Pets. Okay. Um, and the whole Nihau Kailan crew. And of course we had to buy them all and we right. still have them. Like we've gotten rid of a lot of stuffed animals over the years. But those little beanie versions of the Wonder Pets and the Nihau Kailan cast, we still have. And probably if we never get rid of them, it'll be because of me. Because I just think that they're so darn cute, I never want to get rid of them. <laughs> so I will own up to that. It's fine. That's I awesome. I am a Wonder Pets and Kailan fan. And I had a funny story to tell. We were in, I, the reason I brought up the Toys R Us question, I was actually there last week with Isaac and we saw the big display of Miles from Tomorrowland. Yeah. And at that point, I was I was fairly, uh, you know, not as knowledgeable now as I am about the show. And I was just like, what is this? And then Isaac picks up this hoverboard off the shelf. And he wants this thing so bad, but I, I think he thinks it really flies. <laughs> He's like, the hoverboard, Dad, let's get it to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody who grew up on Back to the Future is still waiting for a working hoverboard. Yeah. So tell him I, I told him to get in line. Get yeah. in line. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So... Thank you for, I'm stuttering on my words. Thank you so much for coming around, coming around this week. <laughs> I'm so lame. Um, I just want to talk a second about iTunes reviews. We like iTunes reviews. Yeah, and we, we like people who leave them even more. <laughs> exactly. People who write iTunes are our favorite friends. Right. iTunes and, reviews, I mean. And we do know that people are listening because we see the downloads. We see the stats. So if you like the show and you're listening, it would be amazing of you if you could leave a review on iTunes. It really helps, you know, when someone's searching around and they see it and they click it. And if there's actual reviews there, they're more likely to check it out versus, you know, just a podcast that's out there. You know, there's millions of them and I'm rambling. 
<laughs> but you're rambling with a point. Because exactly. we need some iTunes reviews, and um, we love people that do. And even if it's just that this show is great, give it a listen. You don't have to read, leave a whole you know, <laughs> essay about why we're awesome. I expect you a want, Rolling Stone to, scale of one to five review. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Just show us some love. <laughs> Perfect. And also get in touch with us on Twitter and our Facebook page. Let us know if you have any people that you want to hear interviewed. Uh, we can make a Disney connection anyone. So if they're geeky and you think they're cool, let us know and we'll find it. And Jamie was their master booker, so he'll make it happen. I will do it. <laughs> All right, guys. And I should tell you where to find us at the GBB podcast on both Twitter and Facebook. I'm Justin Connors at 140 Justin C. I'm Jamie Green at the Roarbots. And thank you for coming by. Have a great week. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.